This is a WTF podcast experience. For Alex, who moved from Auckland and gave up everything, came to work for Chuffed, said one day maybe maybe we can do sunset cruises on the Tauranga Harbour on a catamaran that's branded Chuffed. So he printed out a picture of this catamaran that I wasn't quite thinking of, and he's branded it with Chuffed all down the side, and it sits above his desk. It, it sounds silly, but it's, it's something that you can picture and see in the future. As soon as you lose that, or you start getting stuck in the weeds and going every day and actually going nowhere, when you have that clear vision, then it becomes much easier to create business plans. Welcome to Taming the Ferrets, New Zealand's most awarding business podcast. A collection of ferrets is called a business, and here on New Zealand's most awarded business podcast, we like to tame the ferrets once and for all. We invite entrepreneurs, leaders, and inspirational figures to inform, educate, motivate, and inspire. My name's Freddie Bennett. I am an Englishman in New Zealand. I'm an entrepreneur, author, and wannabe podcast host. And today, everybody, we have got a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome James Fitzgerald, owner of Rotorua Canopy Tours and Chuffed Gifts. James, welcome to the Taming the Ferret studio. Thank you. Good to be here, Freddie. It's a pleasure to have you here. We always say with uh, Taming the Ferrets, many are called, but few are chosen. And we are, we are delighted to, uh, to have you here. Uh, for anyone that, that doesn't know about you and your businesses, give us a quick introduction as to who you are and, and what you do. So uh, I, uh, I started with a friend of mine, Rotorua Canopy Tours, uh, over 10 years ago now, down in Rotorua. And um, it's a zipline business through Department of Conservation Forest on the outskirts of the city. Um, it, uh, it became a pretty popular experience down there. Uh, and within about four or five years, it had uh, over 60 staff. And then it got absolutely hammered by COVID because... Uh, about 80% of its customers were international visitors. And then so at the back of that, with some redundant staff, we had to make huge redundancies, uh, we started Chuff Gifts, which is a, a gifting concept that is really starting to get some momentum in the marketplace now. It's been trading for 18 months and uh, and it's growing rapidly as well. So uh, that's really the background to the businesses. Amazing. And I think we're... We're going to dive into the the detail of, of Chuff Gifts and, and the Canopy Tours. And how did you? How does one go about starting a, a zipline company? Is that is it a dream that you've always had? Did you wake up one day and just think Rotorua needs a, needs a zipline tour? I'd always wanted to start businesses, and I'd had a go earlier in my twenties, and found myself swimming in. Um, and incompetence basically once it got underway and uh, quickly got out of that attempt and then a few years later the itch was still there and through a job that I had I learnt of the booming success of or the booming trend of zip lines overseas particularly in North America Central America uh, at the time there was only one commercial site in Australasia and I started thinking if we could create a zipline tour that wasn't really about the ziplines, that the ziplines were a mode of transport through an otherwise inaccessible environment or an incredible New Zealand environment, then we could be on to something. So that really started the search of uh, figuring out how to build a zipline tour and turn it into something that people would pay money to come and do. Amazing. And what was that, that first business you started in, uh, in your 20s? Um, the first one in my 20s was called Beyond the Highway and I, I, I was working in, for Flight Centre in London 
and in the mid 2000s and I was in the call centre which took all the overflow from the shops and people would ring up and they'd say I need some flights to uh, to Dubai or I need some flights to Florida or something like that and I'd, and I'd quickly hang up because I didn't know where those places were in the world and I'd just keep answering phone calls until I got a New Zealand inquiry and I and then I'd, I'd nail it and, and get that customer um, but the tricky thing was was I was always competing with them sitting at their computer on something like lastminute.com or something like that and they'd go but I can get it for 50 quid cheaper or something like that and so I came back to New Zealand and with Beyond the Highway I consolidated all the rental cars and motorhome companies in New Zealand and started paying for AdWords to go direct to the customers in the UK and Europe and America and Australia who are wanting to hire motorhomes and um, because I operated out of my bedroom I was able to undercut any of those high street retailers in London or Munich or New York or wherever and um, and win the customer over. And um, it was the early days of Skype, uh, was it Skype? I think it was Skype, where I was able to actually phone these people and, you know, phone, phone and make an inquiry. I'd ring, I'd find a farmer in Cornwall in the middle of the New Zealand night and then uh, first and generally wins with customer service and that's how I got that. And then uh, beyond the highway, actually, it got too scary for me because because uh, it I started to it started to get beyond my spreadsheets and my uh, and my systems that I had, and I wasn't experienced enough. And when I started having customers turn up in New Zealand and their reservations weren't actually made, um, I got nervous. And then my father-in-law actually said, who's a chartered accountant, he said, people want to run their own business, heaps of people have got plenty of money, why don't you put it on the market and go and get some experience in a job, so that's what I did. Amazing. Mm. And did you, were you able to, to then successfully sell it and, and move into, into the world of work? Yes, yeah, so I was able to sell it and my father-in-law said, how much money do you want? And I said, X, and he said, well, double it and then aim for X. And then that's exactly what happened. I listed it at an embarrassingly high price, and the buyer ended up paying what I would have listed it for anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a good lesson. And and then put that money away, and then that funded me into Canopy Tools three years later. Brilliant. And in between that time, what uh, what job did you do? I worked for Tourism Rotorua, and I was the international person. That so I went to the markets overseas and went to trade shows and promoted Rotorua to Australian and Japanese and Chinese and Indian and UK, Europe trade shows with Tourism New Zealand and that was really a good insight into the global tourism trade from a New Zealand perspective. Mm. And, and do you think that, that travel and tourism has, has always been in your blood or where, where has that come from do you think? I yeah I've always I studied tourism at university tourism and marketing and um, had dreams of designing like a crazy catapult system that flew people and they parachuted down to earth or something like that you know like when I was 20 so I'd always dreamed about it I guess but and was inspired a lot by the likes of like AJ Hackett and businesses like that that were really you know they, they would come to our university and do guest speaker classes and you know you got fully inspired by them um to to carve out carve out a career of your own and i think so so you went on to to carve out the the career and you you came up with the idea of of the zipline tours what 
happens when when someone announces this is what I want to do. I've got this amazing idea of the zipline tours in Rotorua. Did people say it was a great idea? Did people laugh at you? How how do you start to to to, to formalise that that concept of what you wanted to achieve? It was it was a bit of a battle to start with. Um, I was only in my late twenties. Obviously, had no experience or operational experience of uh, running adventure tourism businesses. And Rotorua was a very competitive, cutthroat international tourism destination where that was highly dominated by four or five big businesses down there that uh, that didn't really give anyone else a chance to get a foothold. And the concept was that if we could create a business that was priced at a premium, so at the time nothing in Rotorua cost over $100, it was dominated by low-cost mass tourism offerings, uh, if you think Agrodome, think Polynesian Spa, think Tapuia, think Skyline, Gondola, etc. And if you wanted to spend over $100, really the only option was a helicopter. So we felt that if we could give a high-value, three-hour experience, there may be a market there that's willing to pay for it, rather than go and try and compete with all those other operators. So that was the first thing. So I think probably a lot of people behind our backs laughed at the uh, at the the prospect of putting some wires up between trees on dockland, and and we did it very quietly and just went about our process for two years trying to get permission from the Department of Conservation. Uh, that was one of the big things: was could we get this on conservation land? It's in a scenic reserve, and I put a phone call into the Department of Conservation, said, "Who do I go and see about?" Um, building an adventure tourism business in a scenic reserve out of Rotorua, I discovered the, the land and it was underutilised and not even a walking track in it, it was 500 hectares and I went into the Department of Conservation, so, showed some pictures, I was really nervous because I didn't know how it was going to be greeted and the guy that was a, a balding gentleman um, in khaki dock outfit, he took a look at the pictures and he said, um, he said this looks very exciting and far more expletive language and he said we'll make this happen for you mate we'll get it done and that was the that was the confidence to carry on pushing go through the year of getting permission public consultation etc to try and get this built because two years is a long time on taming the ferrets we talk a lot about social media and then people and i'm gonna try and sound a lot younger than my 40 years when i say this but there's always a focus on, on now, on the immediate, you know, on the quick win, on the get rich quick scheme, on the something that's going to get you the, the, the money or the followers or whatever impact you're looking for within a matter of weeks or months. But, but you're saying it was just two years of, of planning and discussions. Yeah, I think anyone that thinks these get rich schemes is, uh, is get rich quick as a 10 year journey. Mm. Um, and. I think when you have a vision in your head and you don't lose sight of that vision, you'll just keep working towards it and the obstacles that come in your way, you'll find a way to go through them and there's been lots of obstacles over the years and you just keep moving through them because you've got momentum, you've got belief, you've got self-confidence and you just keep on moving forward and as long as you have that vision and you can imagine 
the future like it's changed a lot for me like at the beginning like I was saying about with all those big operators that kind of wanted to shut us out of town when we first started that was the first obstacle is like we're going to be one of them like yeah. we're, we are going to be a brand that matters in this town mm-hmm. um and and in my head I could visualize that I could also visualize the joy of people um the joy of people coming off that going that was the best experience I've ever had I could also visualize um and we went on and did this winning the New Zealand Tourism Awards and just recently uh one of our one of our experiences here has been named the best nature experience in the world by TripAdvisor and we could imagine that years ago and and see all this happening and and you know when that's driving you for the day-to-day mundane stuff because from the outside sometimes it looks like success happens quickly but when you're living it it does not happen quickly at all and is, is that something in the very early days were you really visualizing that in terms of that you are going to get those awards you are going to be this big operator and, and that success yeah yeah that was that was um that was what that was what was driving it, and it's funny when you when you when you get there and you pass those goals, they're not quite as good as you thought they were, because your 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 goalposts have just shifted. And as you get older and you have a family and you have kids, you know, everything is different, and your, your goals and what success is is different. And suddenly it's about, um, yeah, things things about more time and um, more meaningful achievements, and being a good employer and being able to being able to provide benefits to your staff that they wouldn't have anywhere else and things like that. And um, at the beginning, those are those are things you don't think about because you're so set on just getting to a point where you're breaking even and you're going forward. Are we, and on, obviously with the podcast being called Taming the Ferrets, mm. I would never refer to my children as ferrets, uh, usually, but uh, I think we, we all know that what they could be like. And uh, the part of the, the taming the ferrets is that it's taming all these different aspects of your life that are running in different directions. So you've got the the business that that you're growing, and now we're going to come on to onto that big C word obstacle uh, later on. But you know, you've got the, the business that you're growing. You've got the young family, as I say. Now you're you're bringing on you know, more employees. You're trying to be a good employer. How do you start to manage all those those different things? And, and did you ever struggle in the beginning to, to get that balance between work, home, employees, and, and everything else? Yeah, it was um, it was pretty tough times looking back on it. Um, when we started building, I I didn't know how to build this thing, and I managed to rope a friend of mine in who was an engineer who took a shareholding and quit his job and came and helped out with the build, and. We started with a machete and we walked in on the day one and we started cutting um, supple jack to make paths to walk in and we used, we made, um, we strung our lines using spud guns that we made our PVC piping and uh, and Haslode nail gun gas to put, we just did everything on a shoestring. We carried every piece of material in ourselves, so we carried 14 tonnes of material into this 500 hectare reserve that didn't even have a walking track so by the time we'd finished the build of the first the original course that we built I'd lost um, close to 20 kilos and then life began thought that was challenging then the first day um, we were ready to open but we had no customers and so I started knocking on the doors of motorhomes that were camping on the Rotorua lakefront and I found a couple from the south of England called John and Charlotte who were on their honeymoon 
banged on their door, offered them beer and pizza to come and be the first full-paying customers at Canterbury Tours, and they were our first two customers that we took for the first three days. Uh, and the first week we took 10-paying customers. Um, so challenging, you know, like stressed out to the max. Um, is this going to work? But what kept driving us was the fact that when people came off it, they came and they said, we're going to tell everyone about this. And then after the first 20 or 30 reviews appeared online that were from family, um, genuine reviews started coming through that were saying, this is going to be amazing, everyone should do it. And so that confidence drives you. But the problem is that you just don't have enough time in the day. And I worked and worked and worked and worked. And back to your question there, Freddie, about... How do you balance? After two years, my wife said, I'm moving to Tauranga, I'm taking the kids and my parents will help me raise them because you're never home. And so I had a choice. She said, you can get an apartment in town or you can come with us. And so um, two years or three years into the business, uh, we sold up and we moved to Tauranga. And incredibly, being forced to have some distance from the business, um, allowed others that were working there to flourish and make decisions and actually realised that the people around me were highly capable of making decisions that I thought only I could. Um, so, yeah, re- heaps of lessons. And then did you ever get that feeling in those early days when, when it was obviously putting the, the stress on, on your family and your marriage and everything, and, and did you get the feeling that the business couldn't survive without you, that you always had to be in the business, not not working on the business. Oh, yeah, yeah. you felt like you're the only person who could um, make make the decisions, all the good and bad decisions, you know, like who works this, um, you have a VIP coming, what staff, what guides take them, um, right to a customer has a complaint or there's been a problem like the staff, ring James, he'll come down, he'll sort it out mm. and, and yeah, and you just grip so tight to your vision and your goals, you lose sight of everything around you for a little while, and it takes, uh, yeah, it takes a jolt like your wife saying "I'm done," to, um, to start thinking about how you might restructure this business and how you might move forward with your life. And we, in many of the conversations we've had on, on this podcast, and I've had with, you know, with, with, with my clients or my friends, there's. There's sometimes that that conflict at home where the business owner is saying to to their partner, why don't you support me? Why don't you understand that I'm trying to build this for us? And all these these different conversations, was was there any of that going on? Or or was it always just a case of, we're going to make it, but it's just bloody hard at the moment? I think... uh my wife's always been incredibly supportive of it and it was just you know with three young kids by that stage and it was just tough and we never really talked about it she knew that we're on this mission and um but it just got it just got too much and she just needed needed someone more reliable to be around to look after the kids so that's uh that's how it happened but it was amazing it's probably the best thing that's happened in the last 10 years is her making that call because it changed everything I think from we, there on in it was the catalyst for everything that came I think we don't understand sometimes and we get so so caught up in the weeds of our business mm. that again we we it becomes part of us and we feel like it's like another child and I've certainly had that before where I'm like you know my, my child is 
you wouldn't leave a, a three-year-old child in, in the forest. Well, I did try with one in mine because it was a bloody <laughs> nightmare. But I did get him back. <laughs> but yeah, you wouldn't leave something so young just to fend for itself. And mm. that's the, the similar feeling that I've heard described mm. by business owners that just give me two more years, just give me six more months and then we'll be in it. And then you're always waiting for that perfect time. But I think something that, that we hear, there's never a perfect time to make a change in the business. Sometimes you just have to say, we're going to do it this way now and I'm going to make it the right decision through through my actions and my behaviours or, or whatever it is. Yeah, ag- agreed. And, you know, um, you know, no change, no change is the old mm. saying that um, I heard somewhere once and it just stuck with me like I was like yeah if you keep going like this the own there will be no change mm. and um so yeah so that's uh that's the early days you know that's tough and and everything that comes after that is because of that it's those sacrifices you make at the beginning uh you know if you took it easy and you put pe- other people in charge in those first couple of years then you, you'll I don't think that what happens later happens but at some stage, you've got to make that decision. You've got to step away and you've got to trust others. And you've got to realize that some people are smarter than you and they're right under your nose and they just want to prove themselves to you. And and they do. Definitely. And with with what you're saying there around, around the whole leadership aspect and not many of us go to, you know, go to leadership school. I don't even know if there is a leadership school. Maybe <laughs> if there is a leadership school, I'd love to go there. But but when you build a business, you, you find yourself in this position where all of a sudden you've got people that you're responsible for in terms of employees, you know, you're, you're, you're paying salaries. You, you feel like you have that level of responsibility where you know, people's mortgages are being paid by you and everything else. And how did you find that, you know, adopting this, this leadership position where you do have employees that you're trying to look after in, in the right way? Yeah, I think, uh, interesting you say that, one of my... Um, that brings back memories of what I felt incredibly proud the first time a staff member came to me and asked me for um, information for their bank so they could take out a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And But also on the plus side, it was like, oh my God, we are what we are creating is not just supporting the people that I see every day, it's supporting their wife and their children. And then suddenly, as you, if you think about it too much, once you start employing five people, ten people, twenty, and Campy Tours at its peak was sixty people, and that's a lot of families, a lot of mouths to feed, all resting on the decisions that you make, good or bad, um, as to whether you continue to feed their families <laughs> or generate enough income to feed their families. And so, the responsibilities uh, become massive, but also you start to understand the whole. Um, power of business to be able to enrich people's lives and grow people and uh, and grow them far beyond just their job. Definitely. Mm. And then moving on to to, to to more recent times, as you say, you've built a successful business. You've you've got employees that you're responsible for. You know that you're you're, you're feeding families. You're helping mortgages to get paid and everything else. Then COVID comes on the horizon. What Take us through that process. When when did you start to think this might be a problem? And then to you know the the borders closing and, and everything else. How how did that all go for you? Yeah. So just the year previously to COVID, we'd employed our first general manager to start managing the business on a day to day basis. And in January two thousand and twenty, the borders shut to China. 
it's like that's okay we only take one or two Chinese a, a week um, that won't bother us and then later in February early March I every time I have a child that makes gets to seven I take them up to I have a brother that lives up in uh, near Whistler and we go up and stay with him for a week so the kids meet the cousins and learn to ski and all that type of stuff and I got up to Whistler on early March 2020 and got up to their place went out on the ski field been out there came back looked at the news and the government had announced that all arrivals into New Zealand were going to have to isolate for 14 days and immediately I thought that's canopy tours done it's over um, because at that stage we were about 80% international visitors and obviously no one is going to come to New Zealand when you've got to isolate for 14 days in a hotel room and so I spent the next two days just down in the basement doing spreadsheets of what the business now looked like if it only had 20% of its customers left domestic but because this uh illness was going around maybe only 10% were willing to travel so what does the business look by 10% and very quickly figured out we're going to have to make 30 to 40 staff redundant management redundant etc but still at that time there was hope that maybe this was short term temporary and then of course anyway pulled the flights forward came back to New Zealand had to go into isolation myself with my seven-year-old and by that stage it was clear that the country was shutting down and tourists weren't coming in and had to go through the process with Paul the general manager and Andrew my partner there of actually going through the process of informing staff that we're going to have to shed the business from 60 down to at that stage we were going down 22 we decided and then um and then, of course, in the coming days, the, the whole lockdown. So, yeah, so now we're two years on. Next Friday, uh, next Thursday, next Wednesday, sorry, Australians are allowed back here for the first time and then followed not long after by the rest of the world. So it's been a two-year recovery, uh, sorry, a two-year grind of surviving with no international visitors on a bus- in a business that was built and invested into a level that of sustaining a heap more customers than it's had over the last two years. Yeah, so to give you an idea, Canopy Tools is doing um, at its peak 45,000 people a year and uh, last year it did about 11,000 New Zealanders, so hugely had its wings clipped. Definitely. And was there ever a feeling in those and is that, I, I know I was, I was in England at the time and I remember the just that confusion of, of that I'm just like what the hell is going on like is this is this actually for real is this stuff happening did you ever think that, like you say that, that the business is done and all that hard work is going to be destroyed by something out of your control um yeah 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 I definitely thought it was over I remember sitting in the airport in Canada waiting to board the flight and um we had to board at four o'clock and the government was making an announcement which was around I can't quite remember the details, but it wasn't good news, and uh, and I listened to it on my phone. It was basically whether we're going to have to pull the trigger on all these uh, all these redundancies, and the news wasn't good. It was like this thing's here, you be prepared for it or whatever. Now I remember my son said to me, um, "Dad, why are you crying?" And 
I was like, oh my God. And I was just sitting there. I'd had the news and just dawning on me that we're going back to New Zealand to make all these families, um, all these people with families, sorry, no jobs. So tough times. Um, but, you know, there's positive things that came out of it. Definitely. There's positive things that came out of it. What did come out of it? Well, firstly, for the staff, it forced a lot of them to actually make decisions in their lives. Like, I don't want to be a zipline guide. I have been a zipline guide for three years and I've done 1,200 tours for you and I don't want to do one more. Mm. And COVID has helped me realize I don't want more. So we had lots of guys that said, you know what? I will put my hand up to take that redundancy. I'm going to go to teacher's college. I'm going to go and pursue these dreams that I have elsewhere. I'm going to go to art school. I'm going to do this and that. And so that was really empowering. They were forced into a decision that they made, that were, they were just sitting on or hadn't really been forced to make. Um, so in the end, the redundancy process became a lot easier because people self-selected themselves and they put their hands up. And even some of our key people who had worked for us for so long were so selfless. Um, and one that springs to mind, he, he was our main maintenance guy. And he came and he said, look, I'm going to take six months off. I found a job in Tauranga where I can work at a sheet metal factory and they'll take me on for six months and then we'll reconvene and see whether you've got a job for me in six months. And so... You work your way through it, and some people have come out of the, come out of that. And you know, Canterbury Tours now has twenty staff and gearing up again for hopefully this rebound coming as visitors come back. But yeah, for people that it's it's been a really positive for a lot of people. Um, and it's funny, isn't it? And we hear that time and time again where you have a big negative situation, and in the short term, you think it's going to be either a lot worse than it is, or people are saying my life's never going to get better or anything like that but then when you start to think about it and and the opportunities that can come out of it and Mm. I think there's a lot of people who have negative times in their life when they look back in a few years later they actually say I can see why that happened and that Mm. happened for a reason and and if that if I hadn't gone through that pain that I wouldn't be in this great place that I am now and I think we, we have to believe that sometimes yeah yeah there's always always a silver lining and you can't see it at the time and only in retrospect can you see how it actually changed you and forced you into things that you would not have otherwise gone down absolutely yeah and 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 speaking of things that you would maybe not have otherwise gone down tell us about chuffed gifts and and what's that all about yeah so chuffed is a is a business concept that i'd had for years but because Everything was going so well at Canopy Tours and there was no need to really go to throw myself into another project. And Chuffgus is a concept where at Canopy Tours we sold a lot of gift vouchers where people would come in Christmas time, birthdays, whatever, and had this idea that you could sell like a gift package where people could come in, they could buy the gift package and the person actually chose whether they went to canopy tours or they went rafting or they stay had stayed at some accommodation uh and then that may have more appeal to the to the purchaser than just simply um the one activity and so it always felt that there was a bit of a bit of an opportunity there and particularly if we could create something that was physical so you buy the gift 
and then you uh, and then you receive something in the mail. You wrap it. Someone opens and goes, "Oh well, I can choose from canopy tours, rafting, etc." And so that was the concept, and we'd never uh, I'd never felt compelled to push forward with it. And then when the lock first lockdowns happened, and all business stopped for for canopy tours, and you know not a single booking. And then I kept thinking about this gift idea, and I was like, people are having birthdays, people are having um, reasons to buy stuff, like that need for gift buying carries on, pandemic or no pandemic. And so Alex, who is my, who works at Chuffed, um, he was part of our marketing team at Canopy Tours, so he was unfortunately made redundant, and then about 40 minutes later I hit him up about this concept for chuff gifts and I said let's set up a little network in the central north island of suppliers put this concept out there I guarantee you pay for three months and we'll see if we can get people to buy these chuffed gifts that we'll create we didn't know it was called chuff then that was Alex's name actually he came up with that it's pretty yeah. good and uh and so and then with Melissa who was another Canopy Tools staff member who was made redundant from the marketing department she was digital marketing guru and so we created this concept and for three months we tested it we put it out into market people brought it and we're like wow there's something going on here and that was nearly two years ago now so um now we have an office downtown tauranga uh we um send send a lot of these gifts they've come in tubes and people pop the tube they open it up there's a booklet inside that's designed to inspire people to go and try things around the country try things they've never done and um, and people buy for birthdays and weddings and leaving gifts and staff thank yous and all sorts of stuff. So it's really cool. I think it's really cool. And uh, I've certainly seen a shift over the last few years of people just don't want as much stuff anymore. And like I say, especially when you, know, when you get to a certain age or there's only so much like mugs and, and plastic shit that you can get basically. So... I think in terms of giving people experiences, I mean, that's something that I'm all about in terms of you know, the, the gift of, of an experience, of a memory, of, of, of giving people something that they wouldn't have otherwise had in their lives. I think that's so much more powerful than just saying, here's, a, here's another picture frame or, uh, or something like that. And, and it must be a great feeling to know that you're, you know, you're giving people these, these gift experiences, but you're also giving them memories as well. Yeah, no, we're starting out... 18 months of trading now and really starting to understand how it is impacting and helping people's lives and I just actually wrote a story two or three days ago about a lady who she was her her daughter was one of our first customers and brought her a a $99 gift pack for Christmas 2020 and the daughter challenged her said I challenge you to try something outside your comfort zone and so the lady, she's 72, and uh, she went to Waiheke Island with her son and she went ziplining at a company called EcoZip on Waiheke Island. She came back and she declared she's now a zipline freak in her old age and that she was going to try every zipline activity in New Zealand. So she's since gone and ticked off Canopy Tours in Rotorua, EcoZip in Coromandel. Next week she's actually down in Queenstown. She's doing zip trek in Queenstown. Then she's going indoor skydiving. And then she wants to top it all off with a skydive out of an aeroplane. And so this is a lady who uh, has said that her children were challenging her to do more in her retirement and to get outside the comfort zone, but she was happy on the couch. 
and now she's uh now she's living this life she's got a t-shirt that she got made that says zipline granny that she wears with pride and, and and these are the type of things that now we're facilitating and as you're saying before about stuff we want to try and change the culture of giving in New Zealand so that rather than a tacky gift basket or a thoughtless um, dollar value gift card from a from a big retailer or something like that people give people these experience options where people go and do something that they wouldn't otherwise do as you say leaves memories but more so possibly creates something in someone's life that wasn't there mm. and I love that I think in terms of, of, of changing someone's outlook and, and mindset and yeah, I know we were speaking before we started recording of my own journey of being someone who used to be sat on the sofa working through the beers every night and, and then seeing but there's so much more to life there's so many more experiences and um, a funny story actually I am when I was as a child trying to be more adventurous so my my first thing that I did was actually creating a zip line in my garden with the old washing line and and the clothes hanger kind of got a climbed up on a table jumped out of the tree with the clothes line with the uh, with with the clothes hanger with the zip line and then um yeah my first memory was my uh, my face just hitting the tree trunk and then just scraping like a cartoon character where you see it like splatty against the wall then slowly going down and, uh, and then, yeah, that was uh, half of my face taken off. So um, <laughs> going to get back into zip lining definitely. But I think it's, it's all these, obviously, safe memories. It's, it's a better kind of memory. But I think all these these different experiences stay with us. And now I, you know, I want my kids to do zip lining and, and encouraging, especially these days with, I don't know about you, but my kids, yeah, they love YouTube and Fortnite and all these things. And anything where I say, hey, kids, Believe it or not, we moved 12,000 miles to, for you to not sit on your asses and watch Mr. Beast on bloody YouTube every day. Maybe we should go outside and create some memories and, and some experiences. And I think with with things like Chuffed Gifts and with, uh, with, with Zipline Tours and Rotorua, that's something that you can do and help all families to, to create that yeah, those family adventures. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's right. You know, kids, particularly kids, they don't, they don't forget the stuff. And uh, uh, good activities stay with them forever, and uh, and highlights of their childhood. So, now if you could do uh, actually for Chuff at Christmas, we sent out a tick box to every customer that we'd had in the past by mail, like snail mail, and it was the Chuff Guide 2022 and experience you should tick off. And we said you should do one of these experiences this year for you. We know you've bought a gift for someone, but you should do one of these for yourself in 2022 and took them off and someone actually told me a number of years ago which stuck with me they said oh, uh you know what are your goals for this year and uh and i've always had like business goals or whatever but what are, what are your real like things you're going to do that in five years time you'll remember that you did in 2022 for example mm-hmm. and uh try and do four of those highlights every year schedule them in they're not things like that you can just go and pay and jump out of a plane or something like that they're things that you actually have to work towards that you have to book that you have to get yourself in physical condition to go and do or um or plan the weekend and maybe it's catching up with old friends that you haven't seen for years or something like that but four things a year that you should do and uh you know and at the time i worked it out and i was like well if i only do four and i live for another 40 years that's only 160 epic experiences left that's true. And and the window's closing with my kids as well. So mm. 
four epic things a year with them times maybe 10 year window I've only got 40 epic things to do with them that's true and you know time time does pass us by and, and I think one of the, the the myths maybe I think like I say with, with the lady you were talking about it doesn't have to be when you get to, to 50 or 60 or even 70 or 80 that you, you have to just sit there in your chair mm. saying well, yeah, the fun's over now I think there's life just begins I think at 60 especially there's always an opportunity to, to try new things and, and do new experiences. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, just, I actually gave my dad a chuffed gift tube for his for Father's Day last year, and they just sent a picture the other day from uh, from down the South Island. They've gone horse trekking up Mount Nicholas Station. So That's I was very cool. proud of them. He's 78. He said, I don't have any pictures of trying to get off the horse, <laughs> but I did very well on it. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, looking more to the future now, and I guess from... From a business and uh, an economic point of view, with with the borders hopefully opening up again now, as we you know we're recording this in in early April, what do you see as as, as the future for for the bay, for your businesses, and and beyond? I mean, for ourselves and Chuffed, with you know we're downtown Tauranga. I know there's a number of businesses around us that are all startups and doing well and starting to employ people. Um, we actually have. Uh, while Chuff still only employs a small number of people, um, two have actually moved to the bay to work for Chuffed. Um And I think there's a real opportunity to just have a real ecosystem of amazing businesses that are all learning. I already catch up with a few guys that have got businesses down there that are all going through the same struggles of um, employing people, keeping teams motivated, holding staff, finding staff, um, and, and their personal ups and downs as well too because uh, uh, the mental game when you're running a business, it's lonely sometimes and uh, and to find people that are going through the same things um, is really reassuring um, and no matter how much it looks like they've got their stuff together and, you know, and they've got a business that's booming or whatever, you generally find that there's, there's, there's not an easy day that goes by. Um, and I think you know the the more of those in in the bay, the more of those that are attracting people from outside the region to come and work here to be part of it, the better for the bay. It'd be Definitely. amazing. Mm. And what what would you say to to that business owner or that that fairly new business owner who's who's struggling and trying to look like they've got it all together but they haven't? What if you could have a conversation with them? What what advice would you give? Firstly, is always always maintain your vision or keep your vision there like you have to have your big dream you have to however you want to visualize that whether it's a picture on the wall like in it chuffed actually for alex who moved from auckland and gave up everything came to work for chuffed uh said one day maybe maybe we can do sunset cruises on the tauranga harbour on a catamaran that's branded chuffed so he printed out a picture of this catamaran that i wasn't quite thinking of Mm. But uh, and he's branded it with chuffed all down the side, and it sits above his desk. Wow. And and you know, and that, that it, it sounds silly, but it's it's something that you can picture and see in the future. And uh, and as soon as you as soon as you lose that, or you start getting stuck in the weeds and going every day and actually going nowhere. Um, and so when you have that clear, when you have that clear vision, then it becomes much easier to create business plans to operate every week to a business plan to make sure your business is moving forward to make sure your dream is getting that little bit closer and uh and i'm always amazed at how many people don't actually operate with 
business plans um, and they they may have that big vision but then they don't have the stepping stones to get there mm-hmm. and when you do go through thorough business planning you realize that actually there's not big steps to make to get there it's just consistency day in day out belief day in day out small step small step small step small step small step oh my god I've just taken a hundred steps and each of those steps had a little incremental impact on the business and now look at it it's changed around me so it happens slowly but it happens fast yeah, I love it amazing uh, we're almost out of time now James but we do have the mystery question for <laughs> you and uh, we have the mystery question book here which doesn't work well on a podcast but what we have here on Taming the Ferrets is that the previous guest gets a chance to ask a question of the current guest mm. So I haven't seen this question either, but on the bright side, so you will get to write the question for the next guest. So where are we? So this was from uh, Bernadette and Kiri from Ryan Alexander. Uh, so they ask you, if there was one thing you could do differently along your business journey, what would it be? Interesting question. Mm. It's a very interesting question because quite often there's not a lot of things that you would do differently at the time you think might you might do them differently um but you always a lot of things at the time that you think you might have done differently you figure out ways to get through them and you actually become um more resilient and more experienced at it it's a funny question eh? because i've stuffed up so much over the years i've wasted so much money doing crazy things that probably had no basis or were on gut instinct but you always you always make those decisions based on an appetite for risk so mm. you um you may go this is a really great idea i'm going to go in this direction but if it goes wrong it only affects 10 percent of your business or it only mm. affects 10 percent of your projected um net profit for the year or something like that so it's never damaging yeah. but you come out positive out the other end so there's a huge amount of stuff ups that I've done through the years. If I could do one thing differently, it's uh, <laughs> it's such a funny question because uh, because the business that I have now or have is not the one that I imagined when I was getting into this at 28. I imagined um, 10 zipline courses around the country, owning zipline businesses, um, no, sorry, not zipline businesses, adventure tourism businesses, maybe an accommodation business here or there. But uh, as you get older and you have your family and your priorities change, suddenly that's not so important. Suddenly your your goals are not a, not so much uh, based around your ego, I guess. They're more based around what you want to, who you want to be, and what you want to be remembered for, basically. Which is a, you know, it's a good dad and a good friend and someone to help anyone that needs a bit of a hand, um, et cetera, and, and some of those young person dreams are, are not so important. In many ways, that's a powerful answer on its own, that, that you wouldn't do anything differently. Because I think it's, for me, it's a sign of the strength of a leader. If you were sat here saying, oh, well, you know what, I got this wrong and I got that wrong, and then there was this, and I definitely changed that, and all these different things, then, I mean, my, my personal view of it, and I asked this other question a lot as well, that, you know, he talked about the, the, the mess-ups and the screw-ups and the things that maybe lost money. If you had a choice, would you undo those mistakes 
and those bad experience or those those you know more negative experiences or would you have still lived through them yeah i think the the mistakes are what makes where you are now mm. and it's really important that you live through those because otherwise you don't learn like it's never going to be perfect and uh you've just got to uh um you know not failing is probably not succeeding and and that's pretty important if there's one thing i would i think one thing that's popping into my mind here is sometimes in the early days um you be you're so focused that maybe you don't quite look after people the right way or you're a bit short with people or um and certainly as the years went by i saw the team as more family and in the early days they were more of a um a way to achieve the success when it was really tight and really desperate um and I hope that you know I've made up to those people as the years have gone by and rewarded them well, and particularly the ones that stuck around. But certainly, if I think one regret is probably a few times when, uh, in the very early days, under under uh, when we were under pressure, that that maybe maybe could have could have could have been better from day one with everybody. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly that I would that I would change because it's all been part of the journey. It's all been part of the, the fun. I think, as you say, it's all it's all part of the fun. And as we know, on, on Taming the Ferrets, there's, there's the highs, there's the lows, there's the ferrets running all over the place. But it's that's sometimes what we have to manage to, to get to where we are today. Mm. And, and James, it's been a pleasure having you here on Taming the Ferrets. If people want to get in touch, if they want to go on to Chuff Gift, if they want to go to Rotorua Canopy Tours, how do they find you? Oh, they can go uh, Chuff Gifts is chuffgifts.co.nz, Canopy Tours is canopytours.co.nz. And um, if anyone wants to uh, reach me personally, like try LinkedIn and I might reply within a month. I uh, don't generally keep on top of that, but I will find it eventually. Or James at chuffgifts.co.nz. Perfect. James, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Taming the Ferrets. We'd love to get you back in here in a few months time once the borders are open and it'd be great to, to hear about the uh, the next chapter in your journey cool awesome thanks for having me Freddie. pleasure like what you hear don't forget to follow us on social media at taming the ferrets and to give us five stars on your podcast provider we're new zealand's best kept secret but don't be afraid of sharing us with the world this has been a wtf experience Discover more of your favourite shows and learn how to launch your very own podcast at wtfproductions.nz.